It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. It's brought to you by Blake, the attorney, Maislin, as we got a new sponsor on this podcast and in our sports department as well. So we welcome Blake aboard to the podcast. Rick is on vacation in Florida. I'm still stuck here in the haze of Northern Kentucky where we fight the wildfires. Uh, Rick, how is the vacation going and how's the weather? Well, I'm actually in uh, South Carolina, but the weather oh, is like, I'm sorry. that's all right. The, the weather is like uh, 75-ish and windy. So it's actually been hotter back home than it's been on the beach all week for me. So that's part a little, of the course. That's a little crazy. That's a yeah. little crazy. Is the water cold or is the water warm? It's fine. It's good enough. It's not bath water, but it's it's uh, refreshingly cool. I like refresh, refreshingly cool. Is nice. That's good. That's a good respite. Very good. We got a lot to get to. The debut of Ellie De La Cruz is first and foremost on everybody's mind. We've, of course, got uh, a gambling segment. We'll get to the Belmont Stakes this week, and maybe Rick has another gambling part to do it. And my favorite part of the podcast where you can ask a question on any topic, go to the Twitterverse, hit up the hashtag, ask skinny anything. Rick compiles them. You ask him. He asks me. I try to answer him as best I can. It does not have to be on sports. So we got a lot to get to, Rick. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch the Ayla Daily Cruise experience. I'm sure you've read about it. You've seen some stuff on the Twitterverse. It has taken the town completely by storm, and he is not disappointed. Yeah, uh, we're recording this on the morning of Thursday, June 8th, and the Reds called up Ellie De La Cruz Tuesday night to make his major league debut against the Dodgers. He, of course, delivered with a double, two walks. He had a strikeout in his four plate appearances that night, but that wasn't it. On Wednesday night, he turned around, blasted a 458-foot homer before hitting a triple into the gap. I mean, Skinny, you just said it. This is an interesting time to be a Reds fan because on one hand, last week when we talked, they were on the cusp of back-to-back sweeps and staring down a home series against the Brewers for first place, and they end up losing four straight, going three and four overall since we last talked. They're now in third place in the National League Central, five games back of the Brewers. So on one hand, you kind of lose that whole series and that chase of first place that was happening. Yet, as you just mentioned, the fan base is as excited as they've been in years due to Ellie De La Cruz getting called up and some of the momentum building behind this team. So, Skinny, I want you to finish this sentence for me. The last week of Reds baseball was blank. I'll use refreshing. How about that? And exciting. I'll go both refreshing and exciting. It really is. Um, you know, the, 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 the start of the Milwaukee series certainly stunk because I thought that was when Ellie was going to come up. But then they salvaged the last game against the Brewers with the Andrew Abbott great debut. And now comes Ellie. And now you look and you go, huh, this has the makings of a bona fide Major League Baseball team that actually might stay in the race all year in this crappy division, right? I mean, maybe. I Like, look, the, the odds are still 20 to 1 for the Reds to win the NL Central. They're projected to win 71 and a half games overall. Like, this is a team that is still a bad baseball team overall in terms of where they're at. But they do have some momentum. They are improving by bringing some of these young guys up instead of it's not a situation where they're throwing the young guys out there and waving the white flag and saying it's over now. They're actually getting better by bringing these young guys up. So I don't think they're probably going to compete for the division this year. But as I've said all along, that is completely fine, Skinny. This is all I wanted to see. I wanted to see the future on the field. It is a whole lot easier to be patient with the win-loss record when you can see the vision. And on opening day, that vision was, okay, I guess Jonathan India, in theory, is going to be a part of this thing for a while. 
hopefully Tyler Stevenson is at that time before he really started struggling this year. You were, people were really high on, on what he could bring down the road. And okay. You got Spencer steer, who is a young guy in the lineup. He's going to get his chance, but not the highly highest touted of the prospects. Now, all of a sudden you look at the heart of that order and it's McLean, India, De La Cruz, steer Stevens. I mean, it's like all of those guys in the middle of the lineup doing all of the heavy lifting the future is on the field now, and it is fun to watch. That's the thing, and, and I, I think it is a legit team at this point, at least from from a position player standpoint, because I think moving forward, Tyler Stevenson is your long-term catcher. I don't know if Spencer Steer long-term is your first baseman because Encarnacion Strand's somewhere in the in the mix, but he certainly is going to be a lineup presence. India, McLean, De La Cruz, TJ Friedel. You, you, we, can, we can dicker about the corner outfielders at this point. You can use an upgrade there. Um, you know, you can probably get by platooning with, with some of that and mixing and matching a little bit. And, and yeah, you can certainly do better, but that's the thing. You start to look and you go, this is legit moving forward. It's not like you need to add 30 pieces to get this better. You only are a few pieces away from being really legit. So I, I, it is in just the buzz. It's, it's not just the buzz. It was the buzz followed by what he did these last two nights that, that made you go, who this dude, Thought he could be special. Man, I'm watching him be special. In two nights, he's done ridiculous things in two nights. The two hardest hit Reds balls of the year have come off of his bat in the last two nights. The 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 home to third triple speed was, I mean, he's done stuff that's just ridiculous in two nights. So, Skinny, the last Reds debut, Major League debut that I can remember that was like crazy exciting. And it was like, oh, what is this guy going to be? Was Jay Bruce. Do you remember when he came up and like was on a tear for maybe two and a half, three weeks? I, I do. Adam Dunn had a little bit of that too because he came up in a season. Um, you know, Eric Davis, I've mentioned before, just because of all the things he could do athletically. The but but he really struggled off the off the bat. He he nowhere near did what Ellie did. In fact, yeah, I can remember I, I was back in college, and we were we were driving somewhere, and the Reds were playing, and Eric Davis was up, and it was like a two two count. I go, yep, here it comes, strike three called, and all of a sudden you hear Marty go. Strike three called, and that's, I mean, Eric Davis really struggled off the bat, but um, it was exciting his debut because of the skills he had. But yeah, the, the, I, I think this usurps Jay Bruce even, to be honest with you. Well, that, that's, I was just going to say, I mean, Jay Bruce was the last time that I remember a guy coming up and just crushing it right away. He, I mean, then he had a slump after that, obviously, but he tore it up for those first couple games and, and it extended through maybe a couple weeks even. With Ellie, though, there is a different level of looking like he belongs going on here. I mean, that both the, the swing the first night where he hit the double and the swing where he hit the home run on the second night were both just like balls up in the zone, a, a pitcher trying to challenge him with and, and they got no chance. I mean, he turns on it so fast and just smokes it like I mean, unlike really any players we see and then the sprinting on the triple last night. I mean, him going from first to third was just absurd to watch. The long strides, the quickness of it all. He is exactly what everyone hyped him up to be even at the major league level even comparing him to the best of the best and seeing him next to these other superstars it's like man he stands out he just looks different he made a play in the hole on tuesday night when he was playing third base where mclean was probably going to backhand it with ease he cut across in front of him and, and it didn't even look like there was any effort to him doing it that i don't know many third basemen make that play i mean the range on top of it. And we got a chance to see him play shortstop last night. Um, 
I think he's back at third. We're doing this on Thursday morning. They play this afternoon. I think the lineup's out. I think he's back at third today. So it feels like they're going to kind of mix and match that. But even even that was kind of spectacular to watch. And a very he does it with ease. That's the thing. It looks easy to him. It looks so easy. And I love the little celebration after the mammoth home run. The casual bat flip as he's turning to the dugout, flashing the fours, the double fours, then just trotting. Yep. I mean, everything about this guy is cool. You just it, it's like it, it it's unfair, really how cool and how effortless everything is for this guy. So, Skane, let me ask you this. There are obvious comparisons to be drawn here. You're seeing them already. Can Ellie De La Cruz be to the Reds what Joe Burrow has been for the Bengals? I, I do think that that's a great that's a great analogy. Now, now I, I hate to do this for Reds fans because I know there's a lot of them in the market and that listen to the podcast, et cetera. Uh, this is clearly a Bengals town at the moment, and that may not change in Joe Burrow's career. But Ellie, at least now, gives you some buzz. I mean, to watch the fans the last couple of nights on the Reds postgame show on TV, the the genuine excitement, uh, the excitement in the crowd. I, I think it's a young it's it's been a young crowd, too, that's been yeah. excited by this. I, I do. Too. Again, it, it Joe Burrow's in a different category, in my opinion, just because the NFL is so mammoth and so big. And, and the Bengals have, have certainly had far more success than the Reds at the moment. But, yes, to answer your question, I think he absolutely can. Hell, Rick, I, I raced in. For, I had to do an event last night. I raced in for my car last night when he came up for the third or fourth time in the night just to see it at bat. I mean, that's that's where I'm at with the guy. Oh, I mean, honestly, when's the last time you felt like doing that personally? Like where you were worried, you're like, I'm going to either stay in my car and listen to the end of this or rush out of my car and sprint upstairs to see the TV so I can catch it on on the screen. When's the last time you're doing that for Reds baseball? It's it's been a while. There's no question. I mean, it, it's 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 been a, a long, long while for sure. I mean, maybe a Rollis uh, Chapman. Yeah, getting out in the ninth. Yeah, that's probably a good one. I, yeah, I got it. When back when he was he was flirting with 100 miles an hour when nobody else was really flirting with it, and you just had to see is he really throwing 104? I got to go see this. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Green a little bit, but he came up at a time where the Reds, you know, it, it, we knew they weren't going to be competing, and he was also. He's a starting pitcher, so it's a little less. You got to catch this this yes. little snippet of him yes. in his at bat, right? You get to see several pitches over innings over the course of the day, so you can catch him over the the period of a, about two hours or whatever. But with uh, with Ellie, it's it's just been different, like you said, spring the TV. The one thing about the Joe Burrow comparisons is, I I get it. He's got the cool factor, and you even brought up like the young fan base, and I think the way to cross over to the young fan base and really become popular among kids is to be the type of guy that they want to use in a video game to be the video right. game type star. Right. Yeah. And that's what Joe Burrow and Ellie De La Cruz are. They are those types of guys and they are going to be like their fan base goes well beyond just Bengals and Reds fans. It, it extends on to, to kids across the country because of the cool factor. Now, the one thing that is different though, is in football, you get the quarterback position, right? It changes your entire franchise immediately in baseball. You get one position player right, even if they are the best of the best. I refer you to the Angels. Yeah, I mean, if Mike I was Trout. an Angels fan, Shohei and Mike Trout are must-see yeah. TV, but the rest of their team stinks. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the one thing about it is it's like, he, can he be that from a cool and popularity standpoint and all that? Absolutely. But can he just turn your franchise around by himself? No. The good news for the Reds is it doesn't have to be just him. They've got a lot of other pieces here. Yeah, and that's the part. It, it's amazing, though, what what really – I think what's tied this in is is the hype around McLean, Ellie, 
Abbott and then coming up and not only not disappointing right away. And again, they're going to hit a, they're going to hit a bump in the road. Trust me. They all three will, but the fact that they backed up that hype right away, I mean, McLean yeah. has not stopped hitting for goodness sakes. And I think he that's looks the, unreal. Yeah. That, I think that's the exciting part, Rick is you, you see the hype, you feel the hype, you hear the hype and the hype is, is, is correct. Cause they're legitimately need to be hyped and should be hyped, but then to back it up on top of it makes you go, wow, there's something working here now. One thing about Ellie that has really stood out to me, because you know he has all of those tools, all the power, all the speed, and you know the pitchers know about it. But the other thing that's going on with a guy that's hyped up as much as him is you're like, how is he going to handle that pressure? How is he going to handle facing these major league pitchers who are experienced and have done this already, who have a mindset of they don't want to be embarrassed by this rookie that's getting his first couple of at-bats and getting all this hype. They want to humble him a little bit. The way that I think he has switched that and, and put the pressure on the pitchers is he's not chasing bad pitches right up here. He's th- those first couple at bats. You saw him lay off these, these pitches where they're either pitching around him or clearly trying to get him to chase in those situations. Once he starts laying off of those and you realize you have to come to him. Now the pressure is all of a sudden on the pitcher of, Oh man, I don't want to be the guy that gets embarrassed by this rookie making his debut or this rookie in his first week of major league ball is supposed to be the real deal. And now it's a different ball game. I think you've seen that happen right away because it seems like the pitchers are having to come to him and not the other way around. He's not chasing. Yeah, even the one he struck out looking on was a, was a backdoor breaking ball that hit literally the bottom corner that was almost unhittable, and he didn't chase it. He could have. It was a 3-2 count. Pitch he didn't think he could handle. He probably couldn't. He probably was going to swing and miss at it anyway, so he took it. But I, I and, and, you know, maybe kudos to the Reds for keeping him down as long as they did to make sure that that's what he started doing. Cause he did start doing that in the minors much, much better. And, and the, I think that was, that was as important as anything. That very first at bat where he could have come up trying to hit you a 500 foot Homer. Instead he took what the pitcher gave him and it was a walk. And I, I, I think that was a great way to start, to be honest with you. I do too. Skinny, you were talking about just the buzz in the city and obviously they're selling some tickets now for these games again. Are you surprised at all by how quickly the fans have seemingly gotten over last year's opening day comments by Phil Castellini and all the ill will that was built up towards the organization? No, because I, again, I go back to these guys have been hyped. We didn't expect them this soon. Um, and the fact that they've matched the hype uh, is, is, is certainly refreshing. And what, what that's all you wanted to believe. in, I think as a fan is something on the horizon is coming. I'm hearing about it. I got to see it. And now that I've seen it, I believe it. And it's time to, to, to get back on board. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not. I think, I think it shows you that, that, that fans, um, fans can sometimes be smarter than you, you give them credit for that. You know, it's the whole, well, I'm a fan through thick and thin. Well, good for you. That's you. But a lot of fans aren't willing to support when it, when a team isn't doing things the right way or isn't trying. And, you know, I, I think the, they got a little lucky here. Ownership did it. These guys are doing what they've done. Uh, but I, I do think it, the fans were clinging to this hope of, all right, you're telling me these guys coming up are going to be good. I got to see it to believe it. Well, they're seeing it and they're believing it. And uh, I, I, I'm not surprised in that regard. I think that's all they wanted to do was cling to something. And, and now they've got something to cling to. I would also say good for Reds fans for not letting. Yes. Being pissed off and upset with the ownership group take away from your enjoyment of what's going on right now because you've had so many years of just absolute crap and nothing to cheer for. And now you're getting one of the truly most exciting things you can get in sports, which is being right on the cusp of being good. 
You have nothing but hope and upside in front of you. After this, once you reach that mountaintop, like with the Bengals, from here on out for the Bengals, it's probably a lot of disappointment if we're being honest. Every year now we expect them to be in the Super Bowl, and right. when they don't win that, it just becomes a little bit more disappointing. And then the narrative becomes, can they not win the big game or something like that? You know, I mean, so this is truly when you're just getting into the conversation of being one of the good or great teams in the sport, this is the most fun part. And I, I do like, I give the city some credit because had you told me at the beginning of the season that they'd be able to rally around the Reds and have this much fun with the Red season, like they are right now, I wouldn't have believed that. Honestly, I would have thought it would have been more subdued, even knowing the hype of Ellie De La Cruz and how excited people were to see him. But no, I mean, this feels like just like if the Reds were in the playoffs or something. I mean, it has been that type of buzz every day when you log on to social media or I'm sure back home at the bars and even at the game, it's been that way as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have thought this would have happened as fast as it did. That That's the part for me that is a little head scratching. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, you can dare to dream that this team stays in the hunt all year just because, again, the division is not very good. And now you've added bona fide major league pieces. It's no longer Jose Barrero at shortstop. It's Matt McClain. You've added a yeah. middle of the lineup guy. And there's still one more, you know, uh, one more bullet in the holster to, to, to pull up in an Encarnacion straight at some point. And oh, by the way, and I again, this is far off and it's the elephant in the room. You know, maybe Joey Votto's got one last run in him now if, if things go well in Louisville. And, and that adds another bat to, 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 to the mix. All right. Last question to wrap all this Reds talk up. What is the ceiling and the floor for the Reds the rest of this season? Um, I don't know if there's I don't know if there is a floor, Rick, barring injury. I, I don't. I, I think the, the ceiling is. I mean, the floor is, I think, where they're at, right? Yeah, like, this correct. is as bad as it gets, I think. Right. Um, I, I think the ceiling is that you fight to win the division and maybe win the division, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, if you, I, were I, in, if you were in the American League East, I, I, I couldn't say that. If you were in, you know, another couple of divisions, if you were in the Dodgers division, for, I couldn't say that. You're not catching the Dodgers. They're winning 100 games no matter what, even though they're, they're not playing great at the moment. They're still winning 100 games. Is 85 out of the question where you're at right now? I don't think it is. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's going to be hard to get to. I think this team still loses at least 85 games, if not 90. Um, and I- I'm okay with that. Like, that doesn't really bother me. But that being said, I- I'm I'm with you on the fact that I-, I, do- I only think they're going to do better than they've done to this point this year. I, I think it's nothing but upside here. I don't think that they win the NL Central. But, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy if they're in the conversation, if they're in the hunt, if it's at least fun to watch the last month and a half of the season. And it's been a long time since we've real. I mean, I guess you had the shortened season where it felt that way a little bit, but it's Not been really. a long time since we had a real run at that. Yeah, I didn't think the shortened season did. That was almost disappointing because I thought that team yeah. was better than what it, what it wound up doing. Agreed. It was anticlimactic. I mean, they were in yeah. the conversation, I guess, in theory, but. Yep. Definitely. All right. Anything else before we move on to Bengal Skinny? No, I'll leave it with this. I mean, you're doing this right now um, with Nick Lodolo possibly coming back maybe after the All-Star break. That adds another arm to the mix. I I don't know if they get Graham Ashcraft right. That's a little bit of a trouble spot at the moment. But listen, I mean, Abbott's first start gives you great hope there. Hunter Green's starting to get consistent um, and, and pitch consistently well. You're probably, again, if, if, if you get to the trade deadline and you're in it, I don't know how you swing this because you're not going to deal any of your of your young pieces to get it. But 
Are you at a stage where you then have to go out and add an arm starting wise? I think you probably do. I don't know the answer to, to how to get that arm, to be quite frank, but I think it put, puts you now in a different spot. Um, if things go well between now and the trade deadline, and I expect they do to, to make a move to, to add to the rotation. But yeah, it's, I, I will say these, the, the, it, it, I couldn't have written Ellie Daly Cruz doing this in his first two games. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think you, you hoped it, you could, you couldn't write it though. Yeah, it's, it's been too good. This is exactly what the fan base needed. They were craving it, and he's more than delivered. Yep. All right, the Bengals skinny. They have been in the midst of voluntary OTAs this week, which basically just means workouts, right? Like, why do we call them OTAs? Well, because they're organized they're, team activities. Is that right? Yeah, there is a little difference because they, they have three phases of the offseason program. And phase one is the first couple of weeks of just conditioning. Then you go to phase two where you can do some, some on-field stuff. Um, some kind of walkthrough-ish 11 on 11s. Uh, once you start the OTA period, um, you can do some some 11 on 11 stuff, uh, more live speed, no contact, obviously, with any of this stuff. So there is a little different phase to it. Um, and then next week, obviously, is the mandatory mini camp. So they're kind of in they, – they, they, they spent one extra week in phase two where – um, not to get too deep in the weeds, you get what's technically are 10 practices, um, 10 organized practices. Three of those are your mini camp. So you get seven others. The Bengals chose to only take three of those uh, seven. So they, they're literally four short of that just because they, again, we we've talked about this before. They just, they treat this stuff much differently. They just want to make sure guys know how to practice taking mental reps and going out on the field, doing it in walkthrough fashion, doing it 11 on zero um, in kind of walkthroughish fashion just because that's, that's just, they want guys fresh for that. So it's, there's a little technicality to it for lack of a better term. Yeah. It's just the term OTAs just seems too much for me. Like it, it gets confusing yeah. when you start throwing out acronyms well, when, for something that doesn't mean anything. So, so when this first started many, many, many years ago, there was no football involved. There was conditioning. And then literally teams went and did stuff together. Like they'd go to the zoo or they'd go to the Reds game so that was initially, it was literally organized team activities is what it was. Well, next week you mentioned they'll be at mandatory minicamp at that point. And I mean, some of these topics, we've it feels like we've been talking about a lot over the last month or two, but it's kind of the main storyline as we creep up towards training camp and all of that. So with mandatory minicamp approaching, Jonah Williams has really been the main name that's been absent from voluntary workouts. Do you think we will see him next week for minicamp? I'd be really surprised if not. And here's the one thing that minicamp is different from all the rest of this is, as you mentioned, all of this stuff is voluntary up until minicamp. It is a mandatory minicamp where if a player does not report for whatever reason, contract squabble, just doesn't want to be there, whatever it may be, that player is subject to fine. Um, so I think all along, those of us that have covered the team, have believed that Jonah will be there for mandatory minicamp. I still hold out to that belief. I will re be surprised if he's not there. And if he's not there, then we've got a little, little issue going towards training camp because then I don't know what he's going to do. But I, I again, when I've talked about this, Rick, he's not sitting out this season despite the trade demand because he's got 12.6 million reasons and looming free agency ahead of him. Uh, I, I We've thought all along, listen, hey, this stuff that's voluntary, they're not showing up for it. Um, they don't have to show up for it. This is their only bargaining chip, if you will, or, and, or I'm not going to go risk injury in something that's not mandatory. Jonah got hurt in an OTA his rookie year, lost his whole season because he got hurt in a freak accident or his pec. 
Um, and so I nobody, I think, in that locker room blames him. I haven't heard one player. They all understood why he's not there. Next week, though, is different. If he's not there next week, then we're at a bit of a crossroads. And so I, I'll, I, I think we'll address that next week when the time comes. But I don't think it will be a big deal because I do think he will be there. There was at least a video that came out on social media this week of him doing 605 pound squats. Yep. So it seems like at least he's been working out and he's not uh, just like yeah, he's a pro Cheetos or something. Yeah, no, he's a pro. Listen, the, 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 he is a pro. There's I, there's no no doubt about it. I mean, dude, dude dislocated his kneecap in a game. It spun all the way around sideways and he popped it back in and play. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy's a pro. He's he's going to stay in shape. He's going to come in shape. And like I said, I'll 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 worry about him not being there if I don't see him next week. But I truly believe we'll see him next week. And the Joe Mixon contract situation, Skinny, we've hit on it a, a decent amount. So I, I hate to keep you know being a dead horse here, but ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported on SportsCenter this week that quote there hasn't been a lot of momentum around cutting Mixon, which is obviously something we've discussed already. But Fowler added the Bengals were mainly focused on bolstering their backfield depth rather than doing anything transformative. Quote. They got it in the fifth round of the draft with running back Chase Brown out of Illinois. So as of now, they appear set with their lineup and to try to run it back for a Super Bowl run. Uh, if the Bengals did cut Mixon Skinny, of course, they would save $10 million against the salary cap for the upcoming season. Do you agree with Jeremy Fowler that the Bengals are now probably more likely than not to keep Mixon at this point? I think they're more likely to keep him. I still think it's going to come to pass where he's going to be asked to, to restructure his contract. I do believe that. He seemed pretty against that this weekend when he was speaking at his uh, one of his yep. camps for kids. And, and and I get it, but I would I would suggest to him that his leverage on the open market isn't what he may think it is. And again, he's not the first player to think that either. So I I do think, listen, the Bengals are still going to need to save every nickel and dime that they can to get some of these contract extensions done. And again, the timing of these may be staggered, they may be weird, whatever. Um they're going to need to save every nickel they can. And so in the case of Joe Mixon, honestly, it's fiscally irresponsible for them to pay him what is on the current contract. It just is. And you can argue, well, honor the contract. That's just not how this stuff works. It's still a business. And so the business end of this would suggest, yes, they want him on the roster more than I thought they did, but I, I think it's clear they want him on the roster. You're right. They want to run this back with as many of the parts that have competed the last couple of years in the AFC championship game and the Super Bowl as possible. And Joe's been a big part of that. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it, it has to come at probably a cost. And if he doesn't like that, well, I'm going to guess they are prepared to move on without him. But right now everybody's saying the right things. Everybody's doing the right things. Joe's showing up at these voluntary things. Um, he's being a good teammate. Teammates love him, all of those things. But it's still a business, and so I, I'll be the thing I'll be surprised about is if it, if it's not a restructure at some point this summer. Has anything else emerged from OTAs that's worth touching on here? It's funny. So as a group, you know, we stand there shooting the bull, watching practice, and we all literally on Tuesday said, "I got nothing today." I mean, they didn't do any. They did, they had one one seven on seven period of ten plays, in which, by the way, Joe Burrow was eight for ten in that in that session, and Irv Smith made a nice catch. But I'm certainly not going to write about that. There, it was a huge, huge nothing burger. I hope next week is a little more interesting for, for us because I literally stood there and went, I got nothing, man. Couple of, I got nothing. I mean, there's there's literally there's nothing. But from the fan standpoint, that's got to be kind of good right now, right? Like everything's good. The, the biggest news right now would probably come from like an injury or something. So it's probably no news is good news this time of the year, right? 
Yeah, and everybody was making a big deal. Jordan Battle was running with the first team on, on in the seven-on-seven. Seven. Listen, that was on a Tuesday. On a Monday, it might have been Nick Scott back there. I'm going to guess they're rolling with different combinations in the secondary. So, Well, Nick Scott's play. a little banged up with his shoulder right now. Too, yeah, right? correct. Yeah, 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 there's that too. Um, but then everybody swarms the Jordan Battle. It, it, it means nothing. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a seven-on-seven seven in June um, at half speed. It means nothing. So slow your roll a little bit, folks. We'll see where that comes when camp goes. <laughs> All right, real quick, Skane, let me run through this. This is written by Glenn Adams. He had uh, four Bengals players who could lose their jobs to rookies. I just wanted to get your opinion on these guys real quick. Some of them we've already talked about, but uh, it's it's fairly interesting. Drew Chrisman to Brad Robbins. What do you think about that one, Skinny? Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty obvious, be, right? Yeah, that that uh, yeah, we'll see in camp. They're going to battle it out. But I, I would I would say as goofy as it sounds, Brad Robbins probably has a leg up, no pun intended, or maybe it was uh, heading into camp. So yeah, that that's a logical one. Yeah, if you, you draft a, a punter that high, he's, he's the guy that has odds on favorite to win the job. I would say uh, Nick Scott and Jordan Battle, the two names you just brought up. I I've said this before. I think eventually Jordan Battle becomes the starting safety, but as much as um, Lou Anarumo has talked about not wanting to play rookies in the secondary, especially at corner, I guess, more than safety. I don't see that when the season begins, but I could see that evolve as the season evolves. Max Sharping or Cordell Volson to Jackson Kirkland, the undrafted free agent. I don't see that at all. I I, I need to see, I need to see Jackson Kirkland in game situations. He's a big guy, man. I, he certainly stands out when you're watching them do line drills for goodness sakes. He's about six, seven. He's a, he's a big guy, but um yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't see that one. And then Joe Mixon to Chase Brown. Yeah, that that one's certainly logical if indeed they move on from Joe Mixon. But I think if if Joe's on this roster, Joe is clearly the one. Um, and Chase Brown gets a couple of scrap carries here and there in games. But uh, I, I know they love Chase Brown. I love what I saw of him in college. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in, in preseason games when it gets real and live. But yeah, and I think that's that's strictly depending on whether Joe Mixon's on this roster or not. And, and maybe part of it is they become really comfortable with Chase Brown in camp. But I just don't know if you see enough in a camp in a preseason to pull the trigger on that. I, I think if if they move on from Joe Mixon, they will re, they will sign a, a veteran um, off the streets to come in and, and, and at least share the load with with Chase Brown. So I, I don't see that one. All right, so mandatory mini camp will start next week. We'll have our eyes on Jonah Williams, whether he makes an appearance or not, and anything else that comes up from a Bengals perspective. Now, Skinny, the other biggest news in the sports world that wasn't local this week came from the golf world, believe it or not. The two-year-long fight between the PGA Tour and Saudi Arabia's Live Golf came to a stunning conclusion on Tuesday with the news that the arch rivals are now joining forces the PGA is going to retain control of its tournaments, but all of its commercial business and rights, such as television rights, which is the most lucrative piece there, obviously, will be owned by the newly formed organization that is yet to be named and is led by the guy who oversaw the Live Golf organization. So, Skinny, what was your takeaway from the the wild news in the world of golf? Um, Stunning. I, I, it, it was absolutely stunning. And to see the about face that the commissioner made um, – Jay Monahan. Yeah, it is embarrassing to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's been a staunch advocate for his own tour and anti-live. He had players go to bat for him in the tour, obviously Rory McIlroy being the biggest voice among those. And I think it's a slap in the face to those guys. Um, 
I do wonder from a television perspective. I mean, do do the CBS and NBC and even ESPN and even the Golf Channel, all the ones that are the major entities for for televising this stuff, do they lose sponsors because of the connection now with the uh, the private investment fund from from Saudi Arabia? Um, do do tournaments have sponsors start to pull out because of that? Now, the flip side to it is this: I, I understand the anger of the players, um, especially those that were very staunch PGA Tour guys who stood by the tour, who didn't defect, who could have defected because the money was so ridiculous. I think those guys are being a little hypocritical too because at the end of the day, these purses are going to go up astronomically and they are going to benefit from it. I get their anger now because they do feel um, slighted and feel like the commissioner pulled the rug out from under them when they went to bat for it. But listen, at the end of the day, Money talks and they're going to get paid better. And um, I, I get their anger, but I also understand you just got a nice pay raise, fellas. I think there are a few things that stood out to me. One, Jay Monahan, which everyone's ripping on this guy. No one could have ever looked worse than this dude did. And one of the I'll things. Give him credit. He, admit, he admitted his, his hypocrisy. I'll give him credit for that. He admitted how much of a hypocrite he was through all this. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but his answers to these questions have been terrible. I mean, he, yes. he acted like he had no idea they were going to be coming. And it's like, it's been pretty, pretty bad. I mean, he's, I don't think he's looked good, but honestly, it feels almost like a, a Roger Goodell situation at this point where that's like kind of the intentional role is he's there to be a punching bag for the, the PGA maybe. And he's probably getting paid handsomely to do so. So, I mean, at that point, but skinny, here's the other thing that I can't believe. The guy who probably looks the smartest in all of this, the true mastermind, the guy who made a lot of this Phil. happened and manipulated a lot of it is Phil Mickelson and his big yeah. mansions. Yeah, no Phil question. All these lost those manipulate better. all this stuff. I mean, he's an idiot. That's the goofy part is so all these guys with the guaranteed money, right? They they, they took the money. They, they knew they were taking the money and running. The, the, the only thing they were going to be able to do is maybe play in some of the majors. And now they got their money and they get, the, they get their tour back. Uh, yeah, and, and here and here's the thing, and, and this is the reason Jay Monahan looks so stupid, and a lot of those guys that were on the PGA side of things look dumb now and hypocritical is because they made it a moral issue when it was always going to be about money. Right, that's correct. Wait, that, doing that's correct. That, we have time and time again that shows you what's going to happen. If it's, if it's related to sports, it's all about how can we make the most money. That's why we know that the college athletics and the NCAA and all the people involved in that – are never going to do the right things for the fan bases or the student athletes or any of those people. It's always going to be about making the most money. So quit taking moral stances on it and acting like you care about the morality of any of it and just fight your battles when you have to fight them and understand that in the end, you're going to do whatever makes you the most money. Jay Monahan should have seen this coming from years away. And for some reason, he decided to go into the whole 9-11 thing, get that support group to support yep. him, go into that when trying to get the players to stay with the PGA. And in the end, it makes him look really bad. And he pissed off a lot of people. He probably doesn't care because he's getting a ton of money and he's still going to be exactly the CEO right. of all of this. But I mean, if, if you want to avoid the, the about face and looking so stupid, then quit making things that are money issues into moral issues. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Morality always has its price. Correct. Exactly. I mean, it just does. Exactly. I mean, right. that, and, that, that, and that's what it, that's what this comes down to. Um, again, I, I I do feel a bit for the players who, who really voice their support for the tour or anti-live. But at the end of the day, I guess if you really wanted to take a complete moral stance on this, and I'm not pointing a finger at Rory McIlroy, he, he, 
he really believed in the tour and and um, was very vocal about it, very anti-live. But I would say to any of those players that are vocal and were vocal about it and continue to to to, to take the stance of not liking what live stands for and all those things, then just hop off the tour and don't play and don't cash a check. Yeah, exactly. Right? Do your own thing then. You've got a big enough following. You can you can have a really nice life just being a, a content creator who goes and plays scrambles against Tiger Woods or something randomly and, and film well, it and put it out there. So Tiger's obviously started a small thing. Him and Rory, um, I, there's not been many details on this. It came about a few months ago. I do wonder this. I wonder if Tiger, who was obviously also a staunch supporter of the tour and anti-Live, because remember what he was guaranteed to hop onto the Live tour. And let's face it, he, he could take that guarantee. And, and honestly, it would be probably the right thing for him to do from a financial standpoint because he doesn't play much anymore. And so, you know, he stood the most solution to this. I do wonder if he gets really pissed at all of this, if he doesn't start his own tour. What What's to really keep him or Rory or one of the biggest names from doing that? Honestly, they've got all the clout. I, I mean, that's a great. They're the ones who made this happen in the first place with the live stuff, really moving back and forth and fighting it out on that. That's what really caused all of this. Yeah. And, and I, and then I wonder if, like I said, I mean, if, if sponsors start to get some blowback from, from this, from certainly the nine 11 families group and understandably so, because they feel like they've gotten punched in the face from, from this as well. You know, do, if there's enough blowback to sponsors, do they pull out of this? And Tiger says, and Rory, they say, we're starting our own tour. Come with us. And sponsors go, you know what? We're going with you. Because there will be eyeballs. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, again, if Phil Mickelson was able to manipulate enough of these players to get on the live tour to make all of this happen and get these two tours to merge, then what do you think Tiger Woods or Rory could do if they wanted to start their own tour? I think that's absolutely a possibility, but I don't know if it'll actually happen because it right. required those guys to turn down huge paychecks. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I go back to, to at the end of the day for all of these guys, um, I, I get the stance against live when they, when they did it, but now that, that you're commingled um, and the money's going to be into pots that, that feel clean for lack of a better term. You're cashing the check. You just know you are. So the Saudis love hearing you say that. That's exactly what they want it to be. Feel clean. That's it. I know it. <laughs> Sport washing it. No, that's, that's right. Right there. Yep. That's exactly. That is truly. It. That is literally exactly what they're going what for. Is. is someone to say the sentence you just said. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, Skinny, do you think that, I mean, I've heard a little bit of conversation about the idea that this might be good for the game of golf, at least from a standpoint of like, making it more fun. Liv was all about sort of modernizing the sport, doing some things differently. I've heard some of the thoughts that to make some of this money up that they're going to be pouring into the sport, that it might become more of like a, a waste management open vibe at more tournaments where they're selling more beer and making more money off of the fans. Do you think that this could be good or bad for the sport either way, or do you not see much of an impact there? Um, I'd like to see them be able to wear shorts. <laughs> I like the fact that they can wear shorts on the live tour. I mean, dude, 95 degrees in a summer tournament and you're wearing those slacks. You look stupid. You just do. Yeah. We really don't need to see Bryson DeChambeau's swamp ass. Correct. Correct. So yeah, some small, I don't want to see the team concept. I, I, I watched a couple of live events on, on CW, which is for full disclosure, a, a, uh, a sister station of ours at local 12. Um, <laughs> And it made my head spin trying to look at the scoreboard and figure it all out. And I really didn't care about the team concept of it. So I, I, I don't need that. I don't want that. 
All right. I think that does it for golf, unless you have anything less nope. to add. All good. All right, let's wrap this up before we get to ask any anything here with a little NBA talk briefly, and then we'll uh, give the Belmont pick. The The Nuggets beat up on the Heat in Game 3 Wednesday night of the NBA Finals to take a 2-1 to one lead in the series. Both teams have already won a game on the road, which I don't think many people expected, at least from the Heat coming in. Where are you at on this series, Skinny? Well, I said Denver in five. Um, I'm going to stick to it because I think they get another one in, in Miami and they go back and close them out at home. I think... Game two was lesson learned. Just they had a letdown. Um, it happens. It happens in, in sports where you just got your guard caught down and the Heat have proven to be a plucky little group and they pluckied their way through that to get that win and certainly flipped the series on its on its head. But I think when all is said and done, Denver's so much better that, that I'm still sticking Denver in five. I tell you what, I'm liking my Denver in six, four to two for f- plus 450 right now. Miami winning game two was big. It was in a way... But I don't, I just, I think if they're going to do this, I think they just finish this thing out in the next two. I just, because uh, I think if it gets to three, two, and it comes back to Miami, it goes seven. Maybe. Could be. Uh, I, the one thing that I've really enjoyed is the matchup between the stars in this series. The Joker Jamal versus Bam Butler rivalry has been pretty good. I mean, it feels like the the heat need those extra shooters some of the extra yep. guys to make some shots to give them a chance but it feels like mostly this series is coming down to just those two duos going at it it's like an old nba jam matchup or something yeah i think as as much of a feel good story as those those undrafted heat guys have been and the way they've played this is where you miss tyler hero he's not a star star but he's the third of whatever your big 3 is there in miami right yeah, I mean, he's a legit NBA starter for sure. Yeah. And I mean, a guy who can give you yep. some instant offense. And what the one thing is like guys like Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin have given them some of that with their their shooting and their offensive play recently. So, I mean, they've they've done much better than I think anyone expected out of them this entire NBA playoffs. And I'm not counting them out just yet, but I do think ultimately, unless they're going to get just incredible shooting from Max Struess and Caleb Martin and, and Gabe Vincent, it's going to be really tough for them to to overcome this Nuggets team. Yeah, and not that anybody else does in, in the league, but but they have literally no answer for the Joker. None. I, I don't know how you – I mean, 30, 20, and 10, Skinny. What do you do right. with that? It's insane. It's insane. It is. He doesn't jump. He just plays it, you know, The other night they – Yeah, the, the other thing – the other night I, th- I thought they did a really good job um, when he scored 40, and that sounds stupid, right? of almost saying, you know what, you get yours and we're going to try to lock down the rest. And it felt like last night that kind of wasn't the case at, at times. And that's well, why he ended up with the 10 assists. Yeah, I mean, because Jamal Murray also had a, a triple-double with 10 assists. So, right. like, I, right. I, I actually right. agree with you that I think the, the goal there is to let Joker do what he's going to do, have him get his 40 and 20, but make sure Jamal Murray does not have a 25-point game yeah. with 10 assists as well. you got to figure out how to cut him off a little bit more, which – is becoming increasingly more difficult as he gets older. Yeah, no question. I mean, if those two cats go for 30 in the same night, you're, you ain't beating them. You ain't even come close. No. All right, let's get into our Belmont picks here, Skinny. Do you have uh, any horses you like for the Belmont? Yeah, it's not a great field again. And believe it or not, I do wonder, they actually have canceled the card for today at Belmont because of the, uh, the, the smoke from the wildfires, which has kind of enveloped New York City. Oh, and, oh. well, I mean, and certainly geez, this is they're just shooting, outside New York City. They're shooting horses every day down down at uh, Churchill Downs, and they're worried about a little smog in the air. Well, they've shut Churchill 
Little Downs down for the moment because they moved all that that meat to Ellis Park. So they're they're trying to figure out what's gone wrong. But um, I I don't think it's going to affect Saturday. But they did cancel the card for today on Thursday, so it's something to keep an eye on. But anyway, with a pick, I'm going to just go with a little bit of a price. Angel of Empire at seven to two. I just Forte I can't take it five to two. National Treasure. Um, I think the mile and a half isn't going to work for him. I do like a little bit of a long shot in Tappet shoes. And if you want to just play a crazy exacta box, go with the Tappets. Tappet shoes, Tappet trice. You get a 20 to one and a three to one. If that can come in, it's the one, two, the one, two is a, a good exacta box to play with. You can do that for fun, but just for a win bet, I think I'm just going to go with angel of empire and be done with it. The skinny podcast, tap that parlay. Tappet shoes and tap, tap that parlay, trice. baby. I love it. Yeah, I'm a, you know what? I was on the seven horse last race. I'm going to go seven horse again. I like hit show. There you go. All right. I'm going to hit show across the board. All right. A little ask any anything time. Uh, So last week we had a situation where someone had said that I blew it again. And we were asking what I had blown it on before. That person did not respond. But my brother, who I guess is a, a noted historian of the show now, Brought up the time, uh, your deodorant stripe on your boxer story. If you recall, that was the last time that we that I got accused of not doing my job properly was I didn't follow up on your deodorant stripe on the outside of your boxers. So, so yeah, so they're not boxers, by the way, they're briefs. But in case you're wondering, um, my apologies. Um, so what what were you supposed to follow up on with that? Whether I do it daily? No, I mean just that time. You know, our guy Dan back then had wanted me to go into full detail of the deodorant situation. So uh, we did that. We followed up in a later show, but then last week we had that thing. Yes, where oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy wanted so, to follow up on the golf story with Dan sure. Ford and Paul Daner. And, but we were wondering, he's like, he said, roaring blew it again. And we were like, well, what did I blow it on the first time? My brother brought up the time that it probably was the, the deodorant your deodorant briefs. stripe on the, your briefs. Yeah. I just, Listen, man, I, I just it's just for extra safety. That's all. I just there's there's nothing worse than standing next to that person where you're like, did you wipe today, sir? Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is Skinny catching Jamar Chase's Grand Theft Auto 5 role play live streams on Twitch? There's zero chance of me ever having watched Twitch or ever watching Twitch in the future. So the answer to that would be no. <laughs> what are what are the four most boring states in the United States? Well, I haven't been to, to the four I'm going to give you, so that they have to be quite boring to me. Both Dakotas. I mean, yeah. other than Mount Rushmore, what the hell is there to do in the Dakotas? I totally uh, agree. That's the easy answer. Um, Idaho. Give me give me one city outside, yeah. two cities outside of Boise and Pocatello that you can name in Idaho. I guess Moscow, Idaho, you can name. Um, Idaho would be a, on that list too, correct? Yes, definitely. And I'll go Vermont. Oh, really? Over Wyoming, huh? Yeah, Wyoming's at least... At least you could go out there and kind of feel like a cowboy. It's rugged and, you know, it's a lot of wildlife. What's in Vermont besides maple trees? Yeah, that's a good call. I I think that's a pretty good four. I mean, the Dakotas are like automatic. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't How many people literally, other than maybe Mount Rushmore, and that's usually like you're driving through, so you're going to stop at Mount Rushmore. Has anybody ever said, boy, I'm going to the Dakotas this year for vacation? No. Never happened. (laughs) Of course not. All right, rank these in order of how bad they are in terms of a player betting on them. Oh, my. Okay. Money line for their own team. Money line on an opposing team. Yep. Spread for their own team. Spread for an opposing team. Personal individual stats. 
or other games in the league? All right. So the one that I'm, so is this phrase the question again, rank these in order of how bad they are in terms of a player betting on them. All right. What was the last one you gave me? Other games in the league. Yeah. That one, that that one probably be the least that I, yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. Right. Yeah. In my opinion, nothing wrong with that at all. All right. Next would be, I guess I'd say betting the money line on my own team because I'm just betting on us to win. Nothing wrong with betting on yourself to win in my, my I mean, you can't do it legally, but you know what I'm saying? I, I'd go betting on, on, on my team to win. Yeah, I agree with that. Then I would go betting on my team against the point spread because, you know, either I'm trying to win by more than that or if we're an underdog, I'm still trying to, to win. I'd, I'd have a money line bet and a plus Correct. point spread. I would go then, obviously, I'd go next point spread against my team. Because yep. if I'm getting, like, let's just say it's a day where I'm getting three and a half and we battle our ass off and lose on a last second field goal, we still, we're, we're good. I mean, we we played hard. We I got my, I, I got my cover. and it, This it, is it the proverbial, proverbial shaving points. You're still trying yeah. to win. You're just trying not to win by yes, two minutes. correct. Yeah. Correct. And I would go then next for me would be would be individual stats because and, and I, I'm assuming you're talking about your own individual stats if you're this player, right? Yeah, you'd be betting on your own. The only question here is, is there room to bet against yourself, right? Like if it's over hits for myself, I'm a baseball player. If it's over one and a half hits and Ooh, I just go yeah. up and strike out four times on purpose because I bet the under, then that's obviously terrible. If it's I'm only betting for myself to to get the over in those situations – then it's kind of like betting on your team to win, right? You're only yeah, you're only trying to do well. So yeah, and then I would go money line against my team. That, that, that's 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 clearly the worst. Yeah. That's literally throwing. That's literally throwing a game. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, we will wrap it up with this: you get a million dollars, but you have to become either a crypto bro, a flat earther, or a sovereign citizen and start a biweekly podcast on the topic. Are you doing it? And which one? <laughs> well, the crypto would be the least of those. I'll, I'll, I'll go flat earther, knowing full well I don't believe in it, but I could make a case for it. Yeah, see, like that's the thing. Well, here's the one thing I will say: if it's just a million dollars, like one time, then I got to know how long I have to do this podcast for. Like, yeah, correct. I'm that, not doing a, a podcast point. forever for one million dollars. I know that sounds silly, but that's not yeah. that much money. Um, yeah, if it's if it's like a one time thing and I got to do like one season of a podcast or something for one year, then, yeah, I'm, I'll easily select any of the three and I will give you the best, most over the top podcast about any of the three topics. It doesn't matter which one, because I don't believe. Yeah, in I, I, yeah I, I can't. The crypto one, I can't just I, can I do it as, as being anti crypto, bro. <laughs> like I go on there and go, here's why this is stupid. Let me tell you. I, I think you would actually get more fans being into crypto without knowing a thing about it just shouting out crazy plays and things you should get into that they have that no one else is saying they'd be Dude, like this I, guy's a, a visionary i i think that i think there are a lot of people who are into crypto who don't know anything about it exactly exactly right no one knows anything so they'd just be like he's a visionary yeah i don't think crypto even knows what it's about so yeah i, I couldn't do that i i could do the flat earth or even though it's just clearly bat blank crazy for those that believe I actually think that. you would be a really good um, sovereign citizen podcast. Like just you hate the government. Yeah. You want to live off the grid. 
I could see you hate you hate I, banks, I, you I, hate I, crypto. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I think sovereign citizens. Do you, citizens watch, do you watch Parks and Recreation at all? I do not. No. Well, the, the character Ron Swanson reminds me of me at times. He's he's kind of that. He wants to be off the grid. Um, there was a great episode. These are all repeats, but it's a great episode recently where um, he wanted no trace of himself. <laughs> like he was trying to find any way. Like a guy, a guy wanted his license for buying a car, and he said, "Nope, not going to do it. I don't have a license." <laughs> it's it's so he's just that guy, and I'm like, you know, I I could do that. You're right. I could. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I could probably make a case for that one too. Yeah. And, and I don't even think that one would be like an insane stretch for you. I think you just have to get really upset about some of the things that normally upset you and uh, just go off on them. Yeah, that's a good that's actually a really good call. I mean, there's a lot of things like that to do. Like, yeah. like I, I could I could truly do without my cell phone. I could, but I can't. So there's that. Like I could see you um, saying like, let's, I'd let's love to live off credit the- cards. Just do all cash. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see. Yeah, you I, it, it's funny. I mean. Obviously, there's much younger people on the Bengals beat than I am and will be somewhere on the road. And it'll be one of those where I'll buy, you know, you buy a drink, drink for somebody or you're, you're trying to get some cash. For, I don't carry cash. I'm like, you don't carry cash. I, I got a debit card, too, but you got to carry some cash at some point. I haven't had cash in my pocket in 10 years. How is that possible? I just don't need it. I don't, <laughs> hell, I can use my cell phone half the time now. Oh my heavens! How do you? All right, so how do you pay? Like when you go to the casino, and you make a bet at the sports book, how do you make your wager? Well, I mean, mostly, if I go there, I am doing it on my cell phone now and just doing it on an app. But if I mean, there have been times where I show up somewhere like a casino and I have to then take out cash to to place okay. a wager right. or at the horse horse race track or something like that. There are occasion, occasions where I have to go to an ATM to get cash while I am somewhere, but I never have like daily cash in my pocket okay sorry i'm sorry to disappoint you, you. you like so you're, you're not like me like you don't have like a giant jug of coins from spare change and stuff right <laughs> we do we do actually have a, a coin uh jug thing in our kitchen yes okay all right that we all put right. the well, loose change i, in. I feel yeah. better about that yeah because right. i never okay, want to carry it right but, like if i get some if someone gives me some change from oh i don't either whatever, trust me I, I just drop it I was gonna say I don't want to I don't want to out myself, but if anybody wants to, I probably got twenty dollars in change, loose change in my car for goodness sakes. Um, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't like to carry. I don't like jingling as I walk. I don't like that. There are about six dudes on Highland Avenue over by Channel Twelve that are now scouting the lock the uh, parking lot for your car. <laughs> Little do they know you never are there. Good. That's good. Yeah, good call. No, my my dad used to. He was a big change guy. He 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 would he, he would spend Saturdays rolling coins at the kitchen table for whatever. He, and he, my dad was a quirky guy. I love him to death, but he was, he had quirks, but, but he always jingled when he walked. He always had just a pocket full of chains and he was just, he was the king of jingling. Well, I don't my, dad, jingle. my dad's the king of him. jingle too, but he, it's because he has 27 keys on his key ring for some reason. I have no, I, I think he's a janitor in his spare time. I have no idea why he has so many keys. How many that. keys do you have skinny? Is that an old man thing? Um, no, it's funny. You say I, I don't, I have a uh, um, house key. And I have my car key and I have a key to a small locker that I uh, to my drawer at, 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 at Paycor Stadium where I keep stuff. So that that's a little I think I, I got three keys. Yeah, I absolutely hate having stuff in my pockets. And then I see my dad pull out like three key rings with 20 keys attached to each. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
Well, you don't even own anything. What are you? What are all those kids no. do? It's and not like you have properties. <laughs> the best part of that is that's where he goes through. Like he's on like key number seven. Oh, I know it's it's got to be this. Key. No, that one doesn't work. It's got to be this. No, that one doesn't work. It, it, those 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 are the ones that I love. It's the guy with the, all the keys and swears the next one's gonna. This is the one. I'm. The point is, why do you have all of them? You don't need them. I'm assuming he's just been keeping like every car key he's ever owned. Like he's used to crappy used cars all the time. So I'm assuming he just like adds them and never takes them off the ring once he gets rid of them. That's so good. That is so good. Yeah. He's a character. Tell your dad to ditch the keys. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your vacation. We will be back next week with another podcast when Rick is back in town. Enjoy the LA Daily Cruise moments that keep piling up fans because it has been fun and I think will continue to be fun uh, for many, many years to come. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner's Been the Skinny Podcast presented by Blake, the Attorney Mason.